Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Glory to God. Amen. All right. My name is Golden, and um, today we will be reading from John 12, 20 to 26. And if you have your pew Bible with you, you can open to page 899. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Some these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor me. This is the word of God. Amen. Amen. Golden is a seminary student who's going to be doing an internship with us over the summer, so June through September. So hopefully you'll see his face a little bit more, get to know him, say hello. You, if you're a guest with us, you may have figured out that we're a little bit excited about Grace Gives, right? <laughs> I'm wearing my spiffy little shirt. Andrew's got his on. Proud of you, brother. That's good. So at the end of June, the last week of June, Grace Gives, we go out into our community. As you saw from some of the pictures earlier in the service, we're doing all kinds of different things. But at the end of the day, we're doing one thing, aren't we? We're spreading the love of God. We're spreading the gospel of God to our community. And we want you to be a part of that. In order to be a disciple, in order to be part of what God is doing, uh, there are some essentials that we need in this spiritual journey that we are on. Uh, take for example, how many of you right now at home are trying to grow something, some sort of plant, maybe a garden? How many at home right now, if I went to your house, you'd be trying to grow something? Okay, most of us. And so, you know that in order to grow something, there are, there are essentials that you need. What are some of those essentials? Water, sun, seed. Yeah, what else? Soil. Yeah, okay. So, we all went to seventh grade science. Good job. So, that's awesome. So, there's essentials. And if you, if you take away these essentials, your plant doesn't grow. Your tomatoes don't you know, blossom, and it gets really, really hard. You know, it needs, a plant needs air, a plant needs soil, a plant needs water, a plant needs sun. What do we need? What are our essentials for grace gives? Or in other words, to be a disciple, what are the essentials? And so today we're going to talk about our essential mindset. And then next week we're going to talk about the essential member, that's you and me, and then we'll talk about our essential message and then our essential mission. So over the next four weeks, we'll be walking through these essentials. 
Our title today then is Our Essential Mindset from John 12, 20 through 26. If you haven't found it yet, find John 12, 20 through 26. Here's our lesson. Here's our, our lesson this morning. Followers of Christ will have a mindset of self-sacrifice. Followers of Christ will have a mindset of self-sacrifice. We start at verse 20 in our text. We start at verse 20. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Let's look closely at verse 21 together, and especially this request from these Greeks. These Greeks, these Gentiles, come to Jesus. Here's the setting. This is the Passion Week of Christ. He's in Jerusalem. Just before this triumphal entry, Palm Sunday has happened. So Jesus is in Jerusalem. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels, he has cleansed the temple. He's gone into the temple and flipped over the tables, and he's, and he's condemned the temple and said, how dare you make a house of prayer into a den of thieves? Do you remember that? Okay, so now these Gentiles are coming to see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. John's gospel uses that word or that phrasing, see Jesus, something like 84 times. And it almost always means we want to follow Jesus. They're not just there for a show. They, they, have, they have seen what they need to see about Jesus. And they're saying, hey, Philip, we want to be like you. We want to follow Jesus. We want to be disciples of Jesus. So let me ask you that this initial question. Is that your prayer request this morning to follow Jesus? Is that what you want? To follow Jesus, we need to go where Jesus is going, don't we? And that's that's the lesson we're going to learn as we continue through this text. If you're going to follow Jesus, you got to attach yourself to him. You got to you got to know where he's going and you got to go there with him. Verse 22, Philip went and told Andrew, Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and then verse 23, Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. That's a strange answer. Hey, Jesus, there's a bunch of Gentiles who want to join us and become disciples too, cool, great, the ministry is growing, the church is blossoming, that's great, get them signed up, get them registered, send them to the membership class. He doesn't say any of that, does he? He launches into some esoteric talk about his hour and glory. Strange. Here's what Jesus knows. I'm sure he's happy for the new followers. 
But here's what he knows. All the followers in the world on this side of the cross don't mean anything for Jesus. When he starts talking about his hour and being glorified, he's going to talk about his cross. So let's talk about glory for a second. A mindset of glory. Don't we all have a mindset of glory? We do, don't we? Everybody wants to be glorified. Jesus wants to be glorified. It's the time, it's the time of my glorification. We all want to be glorified. We all want to know that we're important. We all want to know that our life is significant. We all want to know that our life has meaning. We all want, we all want somebody to look at us, even from the time we're little babies. My little, my little baby granddaughter, if I go like this, she claps and she smiles and she laughs and she, she's basically saying, look at me, glorify me. And we're all wired for that, aren't we? And we will even sacrifice for glory, don't we? Almost all of us in this room have sacrificed for glory. You've sacrificed to get the A in the, in the class that was hard. You buckled down and you spent time studying when you could have been out playing and you buckled and you did it and you got the grade and you became the valedictorian or maybe you just passed and that was glory enough. <laughs> Artist will sacrifice, a piano player will sacrifice time, energy for the glory of getting it right. Athletes sacrifice for the glory of winning the medal. They give up their lives to become a gold medalist and get that glory, don't they? But do we ever see the sacrifice as the glory? We got a little glimpse of it this past year. I don't know if my slide, guys, is my slide coming up of the picture? Uh, there we go. This past Winter Olympics, on the left is Aaron Jackson, on the right is Brittany Bow. Aaron Jackson was the number one ranked speed skater in the world. She's, she's the best. She's the, she's the best in the sport right now. But at the U.S. trials, she fell. And she didn't qualify for the Olympics because she fell. Brittany Bow on the right won and qualified for the Olympics. She will now get to go to the Olympics and skate for glory, while Aaron Jackson doesn't get to skate in that event, even though she's the number one ranked skater in the world in that event. And do you know what Brittany Bow did? She said, I give up my spot for Aaron Jackson. Aaron Jackson can take my place. Even though she didn't qualify, she can go instead of me. And she did. And she won the gold medal. <laughs> Brittany Bowe set aside her own glory for a different kind of glory. The glory of a sacrifice. Most of us don't even know this story, do we? Most of us don't know anything about speed skating. Let's just be honest. 
Most of us have never even heard of Aaron Jackson, the greatest speed skater on the planet right now. But it's a story that when you look at it, you have to say, okay, what's the real glory here? What's actually happening? See, that's what Jesus is teaching us. His glory is his cross. His glory. You say, Brady, how are you getting that? How do we know he's talking about dying? Well, because he says his hour. And we know that when he says his hour, he means his death. We know because the very next verse, he's going to start talking about seeds, seeds dying. And then we know that in the very next verse after that, he's going to say things like, you have to hate your own life. So we know that Jesus is talking about his cross. You see, glory in this life, according to Jesus, glory in this life is the life of the cross. It's the life of self-sacrifice. It's the life of saying, I, I give up my spot for you. It's the, it's the, it's the life, dare I say, of shame. Uh, think about the cross. It's the life of shame, of losing, of failing. It's what everybody in this world would say, that's foolishness. That's fool. You're a fool to live that way. And yet, in God's economy, this is glory because it's grace. And God's glory is His grace. It's His unconditional love. You see, Christian, Christians, listen to me. On this side of heaven... If you, are, if you want glory, and you should because you're wired to want glory, God built you for glory, but here's, here's, here's the paradox, here's the flip, here's the flip. If you want glory in this life, you only get it through the life of the cross. You can only go higher by going lower. You can only be first by being last. You can only gain by giving. Paul said in Galatians 6, my only boast, 6.14, my only boast is going to be in the cross. In Philippians 3, he said, I just want to know Christ and Him crucified. That's all, that's all I want. My only boast is the cross. My only knowledge is Christ. You see, you see, listen, listen, guys, this is super important. It's deep, but it's super important that we understand this. Our suffering on earth, our sacrificial living on earth is not earning more glory for us in heaven. That, that wouldn't be grace. That would be some sort of scoring system. Our sacrificing and suffering on earth is not earning glory in heaven, but it is preparing us for the glory of heaven. When we embrace this in this life, when we see with faith eyes, instead of seeing the seen, we see the unseen. Instead of seeing what's visible, we see what's invisible. We're able to then say, okay, this looks glorious, but this is more glory. Putting all my effort into this winner will bring glory, but what if I invest my life into this loser? Is there glory in that? 
working hard and achieving and doing whatever it takes to get up the ladder. That's glory. But what about staying where I am and propping up others around me instead? Is there a glory to that? See, one day, Christian, one day in heaven, you're going to worship Jesus, aren't you? And the book of Revelation says that, you know, John, same author, same guy, he says when he had a vision of heaven and he saw Jesus, what did he see? He saw a lamb that was slain, seated on the throne. See, for all of eternity, we're going to be reminded that Jesus lost, that Jesus failed. That Jesus was shamed, that he was humiliated. But it was in that losing and that shame and that failure that there was fruit. That there was fruit. Look, are we going to do grace gives because of the return on investment it will bring? We do grace gives, maybe we'll get more members. If we get more members, we get more money. If we get more money, we can do more and bigger and fancier things. Or is, is the sacrificing of your time, energy, and life for others, is that the glory? Will that alone be the glory? Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Again, Jesus is saying that the glory comes through the death. And he uses this example from nature of a, a grain of wheat. Now, I could not get my hands on wheat, but I got an apple, okay? Something we're all a little bit more familiar with, maybe. So this apple, inside this apple, there's seeds. And this apple... At one point in its life, it was hanging on a tree, wasn't it? And what happened to it? It dropped. It dropped. And if there's no farmer around, it'll just sit there on the ground, won't it? You've been apple picking, right? And you've you got all the beautiful apples on the tree, and what are you sloshing through on the ground? All the rotten apples that nobody wanted. Smush, 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 smush. This apple will hit the ground and it will die, it will decay, and the soil will absorb those seeds. See, here's my question. What do we have to let go of? What do we have to die to? What are you attached to right now that's actually preventing you from being fruitful? Up on that tree, that apple, that, that apple feeds one person. I can pick that apple and Take a bite. That's pretty good. This will feed me. But if it lets go, if it falls, I'm going to be chewing this for the next five minutes. <laughs> Why did I do that? If it lets go and falls, it's absorbed, it'll grow. Dozens of seeds producing dozens of trees producing thousands of apples. 
Are you with me? Are you with Jesus? If it dies, it bears much fruit. Are you a seed? Look, grace gives. Big deal. Videos, shirts, all that. Church, listen to me. It has to be seeds. We're not dropping a boulder on Bowie. We're planting seeds. You with me? Little tiny insignificant seeds. A hello at a car wash. A five-minute conversation. A kid in VBS that you get down with. It's seeds. Acts of sacrifice. Verse 25. Then Jesus says, it gets harder as we go, doesn't it? It's like the, the, first, the more he keeps talking, the more confused we are. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Actually, this isn't that hard. We understand this. He's explaining the seed concept. The apple that hangs on. I don't want to drop. I don't want to drop. No, no. You're not, doing, you're not doing a lot of people any good like that, are you, Mr. Apple? If you let, okay, let go, let go. Boom. Die. Die. Be absorbed by God, by His love. Oh, okay. Let go of your life. Hate your life. If you hold on, listen, we know this. This is a principle that we all know. The more you try to gain everything, the more you lose everything. Scrooge! Remember him? You try to get everything and you lose it all. This is the definition. Jesus is defining sin. To love your life above everything else, to love yourself above everything else is the definition of sin. And the result of sin is you lose your life. You lose joy, you lose peace, you lose happiness, you lose relationships. We can, quote, we can look at story after story after story of people who have it all and have nothing. Some of you have that testimony. The alternative, hate your life. Is Jesus saying, my life should be terrible and I should just be depressed all the time? and never have fun. No, look at his language. Hates his life in this world. Do you see that? Whoever hates his life in this world. In John's gospel, the world is the the system that is anti-grace, the system that is all about self-righteousness and self-justification, self-promotion, Look at me. I'm the best. I can do it. You can do it. Set your mind to it. You can do anything you put your heart to. If you dream it, you can achieve it. If you hate that part of your life, if you're willing to let go of that and just let yourself be absorbed into the soil of the grace and love of God and let let that part of you decompose and let that little seed inside of you begin to put down those roots and put up those sprouts, if you can do that, 
then you're living. Now you're alive. Now you're alive. Do you see it? Guys, this is a paradox. The the person who seeks their own happiness is likely never going to be happy. The person who is not self-centered will likely be more self-assured. The person who gives to others will most likely receive from others. If you want to be followed, be a servant. In God's economy, if you're not dying, you're not living. If you're not a servant, you're not honored. If you're not weak, you're not strong. If you're not losing, you're not winning. If you're not sacrificing, you're not gaining. And if you're not thirsty, you're never going to be satisfied. This is the paradox of Jesus, of discipleship. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Okay, follow me. Okay, I get that. I can deal with that. Follow me. But guys, where's Jesus going? Where's he headed? The cross. Do you want to serve me? Do you want to be my servant? Then follow me to the cross. In John 13, the next chapter, he's just, it's just going to be this vivid illustration. You know it. You know it. He gets them all in the room, and what does he do? He gets down, and he washes their feet. Do you remember that? And when he's done with all that, he looks at them and says, go do the same thing. Because he knows he's commissioning them to a life of service, a life of self-sacrifice. See, in Genesis 2, God tells us a very important biological fact, that seeds produce after their own kind, don't they? This grew from an apple seed. Not an orange seed, not a pomegranate seed. This wasn't once a mango. Okay. People who have the seed of Christ in them should grow into Christ. And what does Christ do? He goes to the cross. He goes to the cross. He gives up his life. But listen, look at, look at his language. If anyone serves me, that word serve, that's the word deacon. If anybody wants to be a deacon of me, it's, the, it's, the, it's literally the word for the household slave. If anybody wants to be my slave, he must follow me. Listen, like we, we sang it, we sang it in the lyrics, we are free. Christ, the first thing Christ does is sets us free. If you are in Christ, you are free. Whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that you have been set free. Number one, Christ frees us. Number two, Christ asks us to be his slave. The order is super important, isn't it? 
See, a human being enslaving another human being against their will, that's evil and immoral. But a human being choosing to become the servant or slave of another, that's the call of Christ. Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to do what I'm about to do. I am about to go to a slave's death. I am about to die on a cross. I'm not dying a hero's death. I'm not dying a victor's death. I am dying a loser's death. I am dying a criminal's death. I am dying a slave death. And I'm asking you to follow me into that. So, therefore, to serve Jesus is to serve one another. Do you see it? Do you see what he's creating? Do you want to serve me? Then follow me into service. Do you want to serve me? Do you want to be my slave? Then be the slave of everyone else. Do you want me to be your master? Then you need to come alongside others and live for the sake of others. But we must do it, Christian. We must do it from our own free will choice. We must hate our own life. That's a choice that you have to make. Then you can follow Christ. Then you can serve Christ by serving others. Where I am, there will my servant be also, he says. The end is eternal life. The promised presence of Christ. We're following Him. We're yoked to Him. We're united to Him. Where Christ goes, we go. Where's Christ going? To the cross. Where do we go? To the cross. Then where does Christ go? To heaven. Where are we going? To heaven. But the order's important, isn't it? First to the cross, then to the heaven. First to the sacrifice, then to the glory, the honor. The Father will honor Him. He lands on that. The Father will honor Him. Brady, come on. Love your enemy. Turn the cheek. Go the extra mile. Be last. Forgive more than once, 490 times. Offer countless second chances. Risk heartache, risk abandonment, risk refusal, risk rejection. This is the ethic of a fool. This is the ethic of an idiot. Nobody would live this way. But what if it all results in honor from our Father? What if this is what our Father is asking of us? What if our Father is saying, This is what will preserve you for eternal life, is to live this way. What if for those of you who aren't Christians, he's saying there is no eternal life without embracing this concept? Every one of you that's in this room and says you're a Christian, 
I hope you understand that you are a Christian because somewhere along the way you said, I'm too weak to save myself. I'm not smart enough to save myself. I will never be good enough to save myself, right? If you didn't say that, you're not a Christian, by the way. You might call yourself a Christian, but if you didn't say that, you're not a Christian. And so Christ is just saying, let's keep going with that. Can we do that the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day until we're in heaven? Can we do that? Jesus did this. Jesus let himself be nailed to a cross, stripped, humiliated, beaten, no legal recourse. He didn't lawyer up. No no justice organization working behind the scenes for him. No friends crying out, stop. He went to the cross and and had no way in that moment, no way of being rescued. He was completely, do you see it? He's completely dependent on God the Father. completely dependent on God the Father. Well, then why didn't he cry out? Why didn't he call the 10,000 angels? Why didn't he say, you know, why didn't he say Shazam and get blasted with superpowers? Why didn't he do that? Because here's what he knew. He could have done that and God sends 10,000 angels or, or God start dropping hail on all the Roman soldiers or something. And that, that would glorify God, right? That might glorify God. But do you know what glorified God even more than that? The Son of God dying for you. Because hailstones and lightning bolts and 10,000 angels is not the grace of God, is it? And therefore, it is not the glory of God, not the real glory of God, not the ultimate glory of God. If he stays on the cross and trusts the grace of God, that's the glory of God. Okay, Brady, this sounds great. This sounds awesome. Yay, sacrificial lifestyle, love one another. Uh, But let's just be honest, Brady. Can we just be honest? Ain't nobody living this way. Nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing this. This is a death sentence. Jesus' words, as always, are just going to condemn me because I am not following Jesus in this way. I am not letting go of it. I am not, I'm not a seed. Sometimes, maybe sometimes. Okay, listen, there's hope, isn't there? If we make, let's go back to verse 24. If we make verse 24 a standard to live up to, we're hopeless. We're hopeless. If you're hearing me preach this morning and you're thinking, some of you are thinking, oh my, I'm in trouble. Some of you are, some of you are like the, the type A's and you're like, yes, 
I will be better. I will follow Jesus. Okay, you're both wrong. You're both wrong, okay? This is not a standard to live up to. This is a Savior to trust. Listen to what he says. If the grain of wheat doesn't fall into the earth, it remains alone. Do you see that? What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look, if I, if I don't die, if I don't die, I'm just a lone life. I, I remain alone. I haven't actually helped anyone. In fact, I've actually just condemned everyone. Jesus' life just condemns everyone, doesn't it? Have you looked at the life of Jesus? I mean, seriously, have you looked at it? How many of you are still trying to be like Jesus? Because if you really were, if you really were, you'd be so discouraged and so depressed by now. Jesus is saying, look, if I don't go into the ground and die, I just remain alone. I just go down in history. I probably don't even go down in history. We probably don't even remember him. But even if we do, he's a good teacher. Yay, he's a guru, superb. He was nice, awesome. He, he lived for what he believed in. Great, guess what? We're all still going to hell. If that's, all, if that's all it is, if that's all Jesus is. But look, if he dies, he will bear fruit. I have to die, and I have to die alone. In the next chapter, John 13, it's coming. I think it's coming. John 13, Simon Peter said to him, this is after the foot washing, okay? Foot washing, last supper, Peter looks at Jesus and says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answers, look at this, look at this. Where I am going, you cannot follow me now. Dude just got done saying, follow me. <laughs> Literally, that's our, that's our text. Follow me. And then Peter's like, hey, where are we going? And Jesus says, you can't come. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is going on? Because where is Jesus going? The cross. Listen, Jesus died on the cross alone for the redemption of mankind. Jesus died on the cross alone for the redemption of mankind. You didn't die. I didn't die. Peter didn't die. Paul didn't die. Philip and Andrew didn't die for the redemption of mankind. Jesus did that alone. But when he did that alone as that one little seed, that one little seed that went into the ground, that produces fruit. You with me? That produces fruit. Well, why? Why can't, why can't Peter? Peter's great. Why? Lord, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will die for you, Lord. I will lay down my life for you. How many, how many of you have, have walked that aisle? How many of you have thrown that stick in the fire at camp? 
I will die for Jesus. I will lay down my life for Jesus. You know what Jesus' answer is to that when we say that? Uh, by the end of the night, you're going to deny me three times. Peter, uh, no, sorry, I don't need your life. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And Jesus' answer is, mm, what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that mess? See, this is what your king, you don't have a king who's saying, give me your life. You have a king who's saying, take my life. It's a radical mindset change, isn't it? If you go into Grace Gives with, I'm giving my life to Jesus, I'm giving my all for Jesus, I'm going to do it for Jesus, Jesus is going to be like, "Uh," and then you're probably going to go home and deny me three times. So that was kind of pointless. But if you go into Grace Gives with, I am doing this to receive the love and grace of Jesus, to receive his life through sacrificial service. Do you see it? Do you see the difference? And because Jesus is our Savior, when we fail, when we, when we say, let's, let's live the Christian life, when we fail at that, guess what we get? Grace. Grace. And when we succeed, guess why we succeeded? Grace. Grace. And so we're not discouraged when we blow it, and we're not proud when we do it right. We're living in this spot of grace. (sighs) Let me ask you this. Are Are you following a Savior who already died in your place? Or are you still... Are you still like Peter? I will die for you, Jesus. I would die for you. Yeah, Peter, you are going to die for me. But you're going to do it from grace. You're going to do it from grace. Not from proving yourself. Not from proving that you're super apostle. Are you following a Savior who has already died in your place, Christian? Everyone. Human. If you're not, you're never, you're never going to be fully alive. You're never going to be fully human. You're never going to really love. You're never going to really give grace. And in reality, you're going to lose everything, especially eternal life. If you are following a Savior, not just an example, not just a teacher, but a Savior, if you're following a Savior who has already done it for you, in your place, alone, then there might be a chance. If you can remember that, there's a chance that from freedom, from that freedom, the freedom of substitution, you might actually be able to follow Christ from grace, showing grace, going lower, being in a spot where, where I, yep, this is going to, sports camp, that's going to be super uncomfortable for me. VBS, that's going to be super uncomfortable. I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. But guess what? The grace of Christ will meet me there. That's what I'm counting on. That's what I'm counting on. Listen, do you want to live this morning? Do you want to live? 
Let go. Let go. If you want to live, you got to die. If you've never done that, if you've never let go of the thing that, is, that you're hanging on to by a thread, saying this success, this beauty, this smarts, this job, these possessions, these relationships, they got me. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Nope. Let go. Just let go. Let go. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. Let go. And let yourself be absorbed by the soil of God's grace and love. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, you did it for us. That's what we're about to experience and think about in communion. You did it for us. You did it in our place. May that truth, Jesus, may that truth free us up this morning. Ours is not something, a standard we have to live up to. It's not, it's not a position that we have to maintain. It's a position that we simply enjoy. Jesus, you met the standard. You earned the right. You earned the position. And then you freely shared it with us. As we move now into communion, Father, settle our hearts, settle our minds. Focus us on this truth, this reality, that Jesus has done it. He let go. He went into the soil. He trusted God's love and grace in our place. He let himself die so that we would know how to live the life of sacrifice, the life of giving and sharing, and even losing and even failing, because it is there that we experience the glory of your grace. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.